Welcome to Why So, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Amanda Carita from So So English Fabrics. I'm really, really excited to get to speak with her today and find out why she sews. So, hey, welcome to the Why So podcast, Amanda. Thanks for having me. It's been what I feel like it's been two years, right? I keep saying this to everybody since we've actually last spoken. It must have been in Quilt Market 2019 or something. I think that's the last time I saw you. That's insane. Yeah, I think so. It's it's crazy. Crazy. It, It is. It really, really is. Well, hey, before we get going, while I'm sure some of our audience and and our listeners know who you are, or at least know your company, maybe you could tell us just a little bit about about your your background. And, you know, hey, I always like to ask this. Do you consider yourself a sewist, seamstress, sewer, tailor? quilter, crafter, embroiderer, cross-stitcher, all of the above. How would you describe Amanda? Well, I don't quilt. I don't cross-stitch. I don't do many other different things. I love to sew apparel clothing and predominantly knits. And so I just say, I sew. When people ask, you know, what do you do? I just tell them, I sew. I don't give myself a title. I'm not going to go with like tailor or sewist and, you know, sewer that sounds okay, but when you write it, it takes on a whole new meaning. Um, (laughs) So I just tend to skirt around that and just say, I sew. I love it. I love it. So, so how long have you been sewing? What was, say, your first memory of sewing? Ooh, I think it precedes me having a memory. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes. My, I come from a family that sews. My great grandmother was a weaver and my great uncle used to do weaving for a company in England. In case the accent hasn't given it away, that's where I'm from. He was a weaver for Caches of Coventry, which is where my family is from. And okay. they are well known for, they produce the labels that you sew. You, when your kids start school, you, the first thing you, you do is you order these labels from Caches of Coventry and you sew them into their school uniform. And oh, wow. Yeah. So he was a weaver for them, and they're also known for silk pictures. And my great aunt had a haberdashery store. And I just grew up in a sewing environment. My grandmother, who we lived with for, until I was 12, made everything that she wore. We were on a tight budget. My mom was a single mom. She made all of my clothing. She made my school summer dresses for school and, and everything else. So I've just been really immersed in this for as long as I can remember. And my grandmother used to watch me when I wasn't in school and my mom was working. And I think that because of that and having to entertain a small child with no internet, limited TV, that type of thing, she entertained me with her hobbies and one of them was sewing. So I actually learned to sew on a hand crank sewing machine that belonged to my grandmother. Wow. So you would say then that your grandmother was really your sewing teacher. I mean, she's the one that taught you how to sew. Yes. And and prior to the machine, I was taught to sew with a needle and thread, you know? So I, I learned to hand sew. We used to have those cardboard, I don't know if they still have them. It's like a cardboard with punched out holes in the hmm. shape of a picture and you use like a shoelace That's and, and you know, yep. that kind of sewing. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I grew up making dolls clothes and, you know, that was how I would be entertained. And especially like in the colder months in the summer, we'd spend a lot of time outside, but 
in the in the colder months, we'd be inside and I learned to sew. That's fantastic. You said something in that description of how you came to sewing that interests me. You said that your grandmother used her hobby to entertain you and you described her sewing at that time. Not 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 to date you personally, but she seemed to be ahead of her time then if sewing was her hobby then, you know, versus something that she did out of semi-necessity, not <laughs> complete necessity, but, but out of semi-necessity, right? Well, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of out of necessity. My grandmother was, um, she was very feisty. She was about five feet tall and she was fairly round. She wasn't obese, but she was like this little round figure. And she had one style of dress that she liked, I think maybe two. And she wore the same style of dress every single day. And the only way that she could get it was to make it herself. Like, I don't think I ever saw her in a pair of pants. I don't think she ever owned a pair of pants in her entire life. And she just wore one, maybe two styles of dress. I can remember like every Christmas, every Mother's Day, every birthday, I would go and buy her two yards of fabric and she would make herself a dress. And so I just, you know, I grew up in this environment. And she would teach me how to make, I'd use the scraps from her clothes to make clothes for my dolls and teddy bears and things like that. I love it. So did your sewing ever end and then you came back to it? Or would you say you've just been sewing ever since then? No, I took a long break from it. I used to work in casinos and I worked in casinos for many years. And I was, 21, I took off and moved to South Africa. And then I went to Israel and then I worked on cruise ships. And it wasn't until I was settled in San Diego and I became a single mom myself. I have two boys and I became a single mom when they were uh, 13 months and three years old. And I was working full time, but I needed to supplement my income. And I started, I knit as well. So I was knitting these scarves and I'd sit on my break at work and I'd knit these scarves and people started asking me to knit these scarves for them. So I was selling these scarves and I was like, you know, it's great. It's a little bit of extra income, but it takes so long. So I was like, you know, if I sewed these scarves, it would be way faster. So one Christmas I made about 200 infinity scarves. Ah. And I sold every single one of them. And I paid for Christmas for my kids. Fantastic. So one of my friends said, and I've always had a sewing machine. I haven't always used it, but I've always had a sewing machine. And one of my friends said to me, do you make maxi skirts? And I'm like, no, but I don't see any reason why I couldn't make a maxi skirt. And she said, well, hey, would you make me one? And, you know, it's a time when they weren't really in style. So there wasn't a great selection in the store. And so I made her a maxi skirt. And then somebody else saw her and they're like, well, I want one of those. So I started making them and we started having skirt parties. Now this was before LuLaRoe. <laughs> ah. So maybe, maybe I should, maybe I was onto something. Yeah. And I just didn't know it. You were right there on the leading edge. Yeah. So I started doing that and then somebody else would say, hey, could you make something else for me? And so I started, you know, finding fabrics, making these skirts, making scarves, making things like that. And I just got frustrated that I couldn't find the fabric and that kind of 
took me in a whole different direction. That seems to be sort of a common theme with a lot of folks that I've talked to on this podcast where, you know, sort of some unforeseen circumstance leads them from their hobby into into the business of sewing one way or the other. So I, I, I want to dive into that with you. Tell us about that more. What specifically did you see as the opportunity that sewing gave to you to get into business? I reached a point where... I would, I I had to make a choice. If I wanted to grow and take it to the next level, I would neither need to go into short run manufacturing or figure out how I was going to run production myself, how I was going to produce more items. And I started selling the fabric that I had left over. So I might go and buy 10 yards of fabric and I would make X amount of items and I would have a couple of yards left over. And I started selling the fabric that I had left over. Was that an online business at that point? How were you Uh, selling that fabric and how were you selling your your, your made items? I was selling it on Facebook. Oh, okay. My made items were all word of mouth. Ever since my kids were small, I've always been really involved with the school and the PTA and that type of thing. And teachers happened to love the things that I was making. <laughs> so Perfect. one teacher would go to school and they'd say, oh, I love you. I love your skirt. Where did you get it? And they'd, and they'd say, oh, Amanda, Joe's mom made it. Fantastic. And, you know, when they get in touch with me and they'd say, hey, I need a couple more skirts because, you know, they're longer, so they're easier to wear. You know, teachers are always bending and lifting and, you know, so they were very work appropriate. So right. word of mouth got around and, you know, the teachers from the school that my kids were at would mix with teachers from other schools and then they'd hit me up and then they'd invite me to do like a skirt party at the school and that type of thing. And so it was just, a, you know, trying to clear up some of the leftover fabric and I put it online and I sold the fabric. And, you know, and then I was like, well, hey, people don't seem to find what they're looking for. And, you know, if I can get it and I can help other people. And it just kind of took on a life of its own. And I decided to go in that direction. And I still make the skirts sometimes, but most of my energy goes into just into fabric in general. I know a lot of, well, I don't know a lot of the history, but I have read uh, about your company and and kind of what specifically it is you're trying to do. I mean, what, what is it about the fabric that makes it different or unique for the customer that you're selling to? What's the the real value proposition that you see there that, that you bring with your fabric? I think that being the owner of the company and the person who does all the purchasing for the company, but also I'm my own client, I won't sell anything I wouldn't use myself. And I, you know, so I might not wear every print that we carry. I might not wear every color that we carry. I'm well known for pretty much wearing black all the time, as I am now. (laughs) However, as far as the quality is concerned, you know, there's some, you know, retail outlets that are owned by venture capitalists, say, which one of the big major fabric companies is owned by venture capitalists. And, you know, they've got that eye on the bottom line. And nobody knows if they sew or they don't sew mm-hmm. because I use my own, I always like to say, you know, I'm, I'm 
my own biggest client because, you know, it has to get past me before it gets to anybody else. And if I wouldn't use it, I won't sell it. So I think that, you know, that just brings something in its, itself. That brings something really, really different. You know, you, I, I also like to say that I'm not just, you know, your eyes when I'm out and I'm developing fabric or I'm purchasing fabric. I'm your fingers too. I'm, mm. I, I'm there and I'm manipulating the fabric. I'm, you, you know, if, if I don't like the hand of the fabric, I'm not getting it. If I don't like the way it stretches, I'm not getting it. If it doesn't have the recovery I like. I'm not getting it. So I think it just brings something different. You know, I'm not out there just looking like that's a bargain. I can make good money on that. I'm going to pick that one up. Right. You know, it's very much the quality has to be there. I want everybody who receives the fabric to open the, the package and just be like, oh my goodness, that feels amazing. Not you, right. <laughs> you know? And I think we've all, you know, with online shopping, we've, we've all had those moments where you might have, you know, ordered something and you're like, oh, that looks so pretty. And then you open it and it just is, ew, what is it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? And I really don't want anybody to have to have that experience. So, you know, I just, uh, that's, that's one part of the business that is exclusively mine. That sounds like it kind of goes hand in hand with the, the other part of your business that is all about educating and empowering your customers, right? Tell, tell Very us much little, so. Tell us a little bit about how you go about that and, and what that means to your company and why your customers remain loyal. When I first started the company, you know, so many people were like, afraid to use it or, you know, a fear of failure. And I just really wanted it to be about education, not about selling fabric. I thought that, you know, so many people, they'll start a hobby, don't get the results that they want, and they put it aside and they start a new hobby. And I know it's happened to me in the past. And I just thought that if our focus was on education and we could guide our customers to make the garments that they were happy with, that they would want to make more of them. And so that's why we've always focused on the education. We have our own line of PDF patterns. We have video tutorials for them. We have a very strong Facebook community where you can reach out and you can ask, is this fabric suitable for making this? Are the patterns that you would recommend? How do I go about grading? And we're really there to hold your hand and be a support system. And we love seeing what everybody else is making. When we get inspiration, I'll, I'll see a hoodie somebody else has made and posted in our Facebook group and be like, wow, I didn't know, but I need one of those. Yeah. You know, so we, we just all, we have a really, really tight team. I have awesome people on my, on my team that have all become really great friends. I love going out to shows and meeting those people and being able to answer questions and help people. And I think it's just a really positive group. It's just a community. Yeah, I love hearing companies that do that. Content creation is not cheap, right? It takes a lot of time and energy mm -hmm. and effort. So it's really when you're, when you're doing that and you're offering that kind of content and support of your product, uh, it's really putting your money where your mouth is, right? You know, it's really saying, hey, we're not just in this to make a buck. We're mm -hmm. really in this to advance the hobby and make sure and take care of our customers best we can. The hobby business is built different than a lot of industries in that way, isn't it? 
Yes, you know, I think just, so. Uh, it, it commands you almost to do that. And those companies that don't do it, I, I think, are not well looked upon, quite frankly. So yeah. it's, it's really cool that, that you you knew that going in and, and made that a priority. I love it. I think that we always uh, just look at it, that we really try to treat people how we would like to be treated. And, you know, my admins, you know, we have our chats and, and we reach out to each other and say, hey, I'm trying to do this. Can you help me? And, and, and everybody jumps in trying to help everybody else. And nobody's left to flounder, you know, they, they can email and ask questions that way. But most of our, most of our customers, they, they jump on our Facebook because they know they're going to get a quick answer and everybody's going to really try and help them. And then other people will read those replies and be like, oh, I, I wanted to know that too. Yeah. So I think that that community just comes together and everybody is just so supportive. It's just phenomenal. And, you know, we, we just appreciate everybody who, who is a part of that community. Yeah, I always, we, we always seem to end up on that topic when talking with people uh, on this podcast and in other places regarding just the people that are in this hobby, the whole sewing community, whether that be sewing, embroidery, quilting, all of the above just seem to be built from a different cloth, no pun intended. You know, it just, mm -hmm. it feels to me like it represents just the best of society. You know, those folks that like to create with their hands, super helpful to each other. And it's just full of good people. I mean, it's so funny. Too many times I've had people ask me, so let me tell, tell me again, what industry you work in? And it's like, well, you know, the home sewing and craft market. <laughs> no, and they're like, what? It's home sewing? And it's like, yeah, well, you know, you just can't beat the people, you know, yeah, customers yeah. And, and, and competitors and all of the other manufacturers and suppliers in this industry are just built with good people. Mm -hmm. yeah, when I, uh, when I quit my full-time job, it was right after I said that I wasn't going to quit my full-time job. I said, no, oh, no, no. I'm, somebody said, are you, are you going to quit? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to quit. And I, you know, I have a good job. I can, I can handle it. It's not a job I have to take home with me at night. I can just, you know, clock out and go home. I don't see any reason why I would need to quit my job. And the next month I quit my job. And uh, <laughs> because I just realized, you know, hey, I, I need to put more energy. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And, you know, when my mom said, to me, he, she's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And it's like, yeah, but the, the, you know, why don't you wait until the boys are older? And I said, because if they're older, so am I. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, so I quit my job and I decided to take that leap and just, it, it's been absolutely phenomenal. And I have met so many awesome people there just who help and support and Pam Mashi over at Benina. I'm just going to use her as an example. Yeah, I, she, I can remember the first time I met Pam and we were up at Expo in Seattle in Puyallup. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's Pam Mashi. And I was totally fangirling. And now she's, she's somebody who, you know, I speak to on a, on a regular basis who, you know, will text me on Christmas day. And, and, and I'm just like, she is just somebody who I was like, it was, it was like meeting movie star or something, you I know, love it. <laughs> and it was just like, and, and I met her a, a few months later, I, I saw her at a different show and she's like, hi, Amanda. And I was like, Oh, come 
remembered my name. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, 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 Pam but, is a superstar uh, in sewing, man. And yeah, but she embodies all of that. Yes. She's, she's so awesome. She's an amazing lady. And there's so many more examples out there, you know, but we just, I feel like we all just come together and just really just want to share our love and our passion for what, the, what we do. I was talking to Pam and Jeannie, who's also at Benina, and, and we were discussing, you know, everybody getting out their machines and making masks and how it kind of elevated our skills. When I first quit my job, people would say to me, so what do you do? And I said, well, I, I sell fabric. I sell textiles. Well, who do you sell it to? You sell it to all the grandmas? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> no. I'm like, what, what makes you think I sell it to the, to the... And they were like, well, that's who sews, right? The, the grandmas sew. And I said, no. I'm like, well, they do. I said, and it kind of skipped a generation, I, yeah. I think. But then with, I, and, and one of the things I'll credit to prior to masks, a resurgence in the, in the sewing, especially among the younger community, was people wanting to cloth diaper their children. Mm. And so they'd go on Etsy or where and buy cloth diapers. And then they'd receive them and, and they're not cheap, you know. No. I d- they, they, and, and when they said, you know, we're going to cloth diaper our kids, I, I'm thinking back to, you know, like a, a white terry cloth piece that you fold and you pin and, you know. Right. And when I first saw these new breed of, of cloth diapers, I was like, whoa. I'm like, that's not what I was expecting. And all these fun prints and, but that, you know, they're not cheap. People would order them from Etsy. They arrive at the house. And I think, you know, people started looking at them going, I could do that. I could make one of those. (laughs) So that got a lot of younger moms pulling machines out, Mm. borrowing machines, buying machines. And they started making their own cloth diapers. And then if you cloth diaper your child... Their, their butt is bigger than it is in a disposable diaper. Right. So now you have the issue, what do you put over a cloth diaper? So they started making the pants to go over the cloth diaper. And then why stop there? Now you may as well make the shirt to go with the pants to go with the cloth diaper. And then you have fabric over and then you start thinking, well, hey, I don't really like the way my clothes fit either. So maybe maybe I'll try and make myself a shirt. And I think that I, you know, kind of revolutionized the sewing as far as Hmm. young people and knit fabrics and things like that was just, it all started with cloth diapers. Gosh, that's something I didn't really realize or know. I had not heard that. I certainly knew that, you know, in the last few years, mask making brought a lot of people into the hobby and or back to the hobby. But the other is fascinating. I really, that's, that's interesting, but it makes a ton of sense. You know, you have Mm -hmm. seen such a resurgence in, in people going back to cloth diapers. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes, makes tons of sense. You beat me to the punch on (laughs) Pam Mashey. I was going to ask you which sewist or makers that you really admire in this industry are, are that maybe have helped you in some way uh, get where you are. And so it's fun to hear you uh, say Pam Ashy because I know a lot of people in this industry would probably say the same about her, especially teachers and educators in the business, because she's just been doing it for, for so long at such a high level and so well. 
well. That's super cool. And oh. and is such a sweet lady too. Yeah. She she she's the, one of the sweetest people I know. Um, another person who has become a great friend. I met Judy Kessinger. I met Judy Kessinger in Houston a few years ago. I didn't have a booth. And my business was a couple of years old. And I was like, you know, hey, I want to go to Houston. I want to go and check it out. I'm, I don't quilt, but I want to go to the biggest quilt show in the world. So off I went. And I bumped into Judy Kessinger, who has the Fit Nice system. Right. And <clears throat> I, was, I was like, wow, what do you do? And she told me a little about what she did. And I said, well, we need to get together because I have the fabric and you have the know-how. We should, we should talk. And we've done a lot more than talking. We've, <laughs> we've collaborated many, many times and I consider her a really good friend. And I've been to some of her retreats and I can remember saying to Bob, her husband, I said, wow, I hope that I have as much energy as Judy when I'm Judy's age. <laughs> and he looked at me and Bob said, there's no doubt about it. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> You know, but I just, she's just, she's so awesome. And I think what she does is fantastic. You know, she specializes in, in ladies over 50. Right. And if I'm wrong there, she can slap my wrist. But, you know, she specializes because when you're younger, we all think that we have fit issues and, right. and you know, and we're, we're all different <clears throat> and, you know, learning to grade patterns and get the fit that we really want. But you tend to have more issues when you get older. And mm. she has this system where the ladies who use her system are all so excited to actually create garments that fit how they want them to fit. And she takes the frustration out of it for them. And, mm. and I just think that's absolutely phenomenal. You know, I think my grandmother was ahead of the curve. She was using knit, knit fabrics a long time ago and, you know, making these dresses and she had it done. I think that I think she figured out how to make those two dress patterns fit. And that's why she never veered off. You know, right. if, she'd have, if she'd have been in Judy's <laughs> class, she would have had the jacket and the top and the skirt and, and everything. Yeah. But she just stuck to these two. I love right, it. So. I always remember my grandmother having, uh, you know, 15 different prints of the same shirt that she made uh, because she liked that shirt. It fit her how she wanted it to fit. And so that's what she wore all the time. Same shirt, different colors. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I, I love hearing your stories about uh, other people in the industry, especially in this industry that's full of, you know, pr primarily women uh, and a lot of women business owners and, and the ways that they got there are so unique and different and, and fun stories to hear about. Uh, I love it. I'm going to switch gears on you, though, and ask you a little okay. bit about your, your personal sewing. You know, I always ask this question because it seems to be a, a common thread amongst people that like to create with their hands. But, you know, how often have you given uh, a gift or made something special for someone? And, and, and has there been a time where you have and that has a special memory for you, you know, a, a handmade gifted item? I make and give things all the time, <laughs> like all the time. Sometimes I, I, I want to use a specific fabric, but I, I don't really know that, that I want to make something for me. At Christmas, I made hoodies for all of the guys in my warehouse. 
Hoodies, um, wow. Yeah, That's cool. hoodies, hoodies are my favorite thing to make. I could, uh, you know, if I could only make one thing, it would be hoodies. Really? Yeah. Uh, do you have an awesome pattern for hoodie making? I have a few different ones that I, you know, I do change it up a little bit and I tweak them how I want to and everything. But I just, I just love making hoodies. That my is son, so cool. Yeah, my 17-year-old, <laughs> he has a whole closet full of hoodies. And if he could have a new mom-made hoodie every single day, then he would. He also will be like, he's in ROTC. He's a senior in high school. And he'll have his ROTC friends come over and he'll be like, oh, hey, yeah, ask my mom. She'll make you a hoodie. So just quite a few of the ROTC kids have got hoodies that I made. Um, if you pay him it. enough compliments, he might even take it off and give you the give you the one I just made him. And then he'll just be like, hey, mom, make me another one. You know? I'm going to need another one of those. Thanks, mom. Yes. I yeah. love it. I love. Don't you just so, love how your uh, your sewing skills get volunteered out when people know that you sew? Yes. <laughs> can yes. You mend, can you I, mend this for me? Oh, he did that to me last night. I'm like, can you fix my gym bag and the fabric's all frayed? And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but maybe I could make you a hoodie and just order you another one from somewhere. But uh, you know, uh, people would say to me, they're like, oh, I wish, I wish that my kids would let me sew for them, or oh, now that. My my kids this old, you know, they don't want me sewing for them anymore. And I just think that, you know, provided you're making them what they want, not necessarily yeah. what you want to make. If you listen, you know, he'll be like, oh, I really like that pat plaid super plush. And I'd like this in the hood. And I'd like this hoodie cord. And if I make him things that he would go and buy in a store and he realizes, hey, that ivory colored sweatshirt was $65 at the mall. I can use that 65 bucks for something else. And my mom can make me the hoodie. And then he goes to school and the kids are all like, oh, nice hoodie. You know, he's like, yeah, my mom made it. <laughs> you know, and, but it's but a it's one not, of a kind. Yeah, it's not like, a yeah, my mom made it. And, you know, she made me wear it. It's it's like, <laughs> and he's done this ever since he was small. He, he'd go in and he'll be like, hey, feel this. Doesn't this feel amazing? My mom made this for me. That's fantastic. I love that. Uh, so, you, you taught him right. You taught him right. Yeah. That's, that's too cool. So when you're sewing things like hoodies and, and other things personally, what, what are some of the, some of your favorite tools, you know, some of the things that you just can't live without? Like, what do you have to have in your sewing room? Ooh, well, I have to have a really good supply of organ needles oh. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, you never know when you're going to break one. I have an amazing Bonina. I have one of the, I'm very lucky. I have one of the new Bonina surges. I have an L850 and that thing hers and I just it, it's just such an awesome machine that uh, you, you it, it like calls to me it's like come on come, come on let's let's sew this morning you know I love so, it so you know I, I've got an endless supply of fabric it's normally all over everywhere and I like to cut out several things at the same time I figure if I'm standing there and I'm I'm cutting things out then I want to cut out a bunch of things because I like to get up in the morning and sew when I drink my tea but I don't like to cut out when I drink my tea 
Uh, so I, I'll cut out a few things and said morning, like a proper English woman. <laughs> yes. With several cups of tea, my Kai scissors, I have to, I use the Kai professional and they are amazing. They just, there's nothing that compares to them, but I kind of buck the trend. I like using PDF patterns, but I, I prefer to have them in paper format. Whereas I know a lot of people are moving towards the projectors. Mm. Um, I like having paper patterns. I don't use rotary cutters. I only use scissors. And I know a lot of people like clips and I like pins. Oh, okay. Well, so I'm a little different. old school there. Yeah. Little, little old school, but... Uh, I guess it's all in how you're tall, right? <laughs> yeah. But, I, and, you know, people will be like, oh, it's so much faster to cut out with a rotary cutter. And I don't know whether it's I'm clumsy or I've cut myself or I, I just don't haven't practiced with them enough, but I can cut out pretty damn fast with my Kai scissors. So I'm just sticking to those. You got to have the right ones, right? Oh, most definitely. I love it. So is there something that you've just been dying to sew or dying to try that you've never tried before? Some new technique, some other type of sewing, maybe it's quilting or embroidery or or anything that you just, is kind of on your sewing bucket list. I think I would kind of like to try embroidery, but it's, it's one of those, I, I feel because I have so little time, I don't want to use the time that I have learning some, a new skill. Mm. I would rather use my time to maybe try a new pattern okay. or, you know, make a, a, you know, adapt a pattern or I, I just get so much enjoyment out of making clothing. I went over and dropped off my, I just bought and sold houses in the last couple of weeks. And a friend of mine was my realtor and she's got two little grandchildren. They're two and three. And I made Valentine and Easter dresses. And just seeing the joy on those kids, they, they twirl. (laughs) <laughs> and so they they just love these dresses. And, you know, so I, I just really enjoy what I do. And, you know, apart from, you know, we test our own patterns and we put a lot of time and effort into those to make sure the fit's right and that they're exactly how we want them to be. So, you know, just enjoying my time just to, I, I'm actually going to make a hoodie for the lady that I bought my house off. She, couldn't, she couldn't believe that I made hoodies. And I'm like, yes. So I'm going to make you a hoodie. So that's my next project. Very cool. Oh, well, I was, I was going to ask you, what are you sewing right now? And you answered it right away. Well, yeah. when, you're, when you're not sewing, I mean, I know you have a busy life. You're running a business. You're still raising your, your son. Uh, but what else do you like to do? What would, what would be something that our listeners uh, wouldn't know about you and, and might see post on your personal social media or something? What, what other things are you interested in? Well, we like going out to the desert. And we've got three wheelers and a sand rail. And I, we have an 89 lifted F-150 that we like to take off road. Awesome. Yeah. So we like going out and, and camping in the desert. And we normally stay in like a toy box or whatever. And, and we go race around the desert and get all dirty and, <laughs> and have fun doing that. Um, you know, I, That's we, awesome. We, yeah, it's it's just something comes. It, it, it's kind of nice because there's very limited cell phone coverage out there. Mm. So it it's it just gives me a chance just to switch off. Put you, know? you off. Put you off the grid automatically. Huh? Yes. Yes. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I always ask this this last question. So if you've if you've heard the podcast uh, already, you may have heard this, but um, I, I, 
I've always said as an industry, and, and I think I've seen something maybe that you posted on your own website saying something similar, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I've always said sort of as an industry that we're not really selling threads. We're not selling fabric. We're not selling needles and notions and all of these other things. But what we're really selling is sort of this feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction that comes with creating. Do you believe that? And, and if so, how, how do you feel like that idea has uh, manifested itself in your sewing journey? Very much so. I, I, you know, I think that finishing something and putting it on and, and just everything, you know, the, the length of the sleeves, the way that it, you know, being able to custom make it. It's one of the, one of the reasons I started sewing for myself again was I got tired of going into stores and what used to be short sleeves and more like cap sleeves, mm. t-shirts are kind of cut a little skimpy. And, you, you know, it's like, I, I hate, I hate, putting something on and constantly having to adjust my clothing and just being able to put something on and the sleeves hit where I like them to and the length of it. I wear a lot of leggings because I spend a lot of time in the warehouse and they're just really practical, but I like having a top that's a little bit longer. And, you know, it was difficult to find the tops, the length that I wanted it to be. It seemed to be either they hit me, you know, and I'm only five, five. So it's, you know, I'd find like sleeves would be a little bit short or the length of the the garment would be a little bit short. And, and just being able to reach in my closet and know that everything in my closet fits me. And then when you go out and somebody compliments you, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, when you go out and somebody is like, wow, I love the whatever it is that you're wearing. It's just like, thank you, you know, but don't point out the mistakes. That's one thing I'm going to say, because we're all our own worst critics. And you'll find if you stop pointing out the mistakes, nobody notices them. Of course. Isn't that funny? Well, if we could just bottle up that feeling that you described, though, we could make a mint, couldn't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's, that's, you know, why we sew. We can customize it instead of, you know, going, you go into a store and let's face it now with, with the supply chain issues and, you, you know, it just the changes that we've all lived through for the last couple mm -hmm. of years. If you can go into a store, <laughs> you, you're met with a far more limited selection than we were even two years ago. Right. And I think it's great that, you know, it, Every individual who looks at a piece of fabric envisions it in becoming a different item. Mm -hmm. So instead of the store telling you, hey, that black fabric with red flowers on it, this is what it is. You can get that and you can make your own vision. I might like it to be a skirt. You might say, make a great hoodie. Heidi might say, oh no, I'm going to make a robe in that. And I think just, it, you know, it allows us to just create our own visions in, the, in our own sizes. And it's a win-win situation. And so many people say, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it's more expensive to sew than it is to purchase. And I really want to dispel that myth because why do we feel that we need to compare our skills with somewhere like Walmart? Mm -hmm. You can go into Walmart and you can buy a t-shirt at Walmart. It's probably going to cost you five bucks, maybe mm -hmm. 10. 
you could walk into Nordstrom's or Bloomingdale's and that same day, you know, a similar t-shirt, say with a white t-shirt at Walmart might be $5. A white t-shirt at Bloomingdale's might be $80. Mm. Why do we feel that we need to compare our skills with the $5 shirt? Why can't we compare our skills with the $80 shirt? And then buy a yard of fabric and make it ourselves for 10 bucks. Now we have a shirt that fits us with all the specifications that we want in that shirt, custom made for us for a fraction of the price of the $80 shirt. So much truth, so much truth in that. We need to figure out a way to spread that message to everyone out there, especially anyone who's who's looking to get into sewing or wanting to sew that, yeah, you know, you can have a one-of-a-kind, high-quality item and you need not always, you know, because you're getting, you know, it's like, you need not only look at how much time did this take me because that time was well spent too. It's not like that you're only getting the finished garment out of it. You're getting all of those other residuals, right? You're getting that feeling of accomplishment. You're getting those compliments later that people are constantly praising you and saying, God, my gosh, I can't believe you made that. I mean, all of that stuff has value. It has value to your life. Uh, so yeah, I think you just hit it right right on the head. You, you you nailed it with how you're looking at that. I think there's a few other things. You know, Heidi, who is my right hand, I, could, I couldn't be without her. Her Instagram is sewing for sanity, mm. you know, and there's not that many <clears throat> hobbies that give us, give to us the same way that sewing gives to us. Yeah, you're absolutely you know? right. And people will talk about cost and everything else, but you, you don't hear people golfing saying, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's discuss the price of golf. That's an expensive you know? four hours of your life. Yeah. So as they say in England, it's a good, a good walk spoiled. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. And, and most of us uh, leave the golf course more frustrated than satisfied. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I, I just think, you know, when you, when you look at sewing and you look at everything that you can get out of it, whether it's that quiet time, whether it's when I was working in casinos, people would say, well, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I separate people from their money. <laughs> and, you know, and I didn't have anything at the end of the day. There was nothing tactile. I hadn't made anything. There was nothing, you know, hopefully I'd made some tips. But apart from that, yeah. there was nothing. And I love, you know, I'd come home and I'd make something and just that tactile nature of, of, of what the hobby is and also having that sense of accomplishment when you've, when you've made something. I think that it just, there's so many positives that come Absolutely. from this, whether it's a hobby or a business or, you know, but it's, it's just kind of a one of a kind thing. That it is. Well, with that, I think that's a great way to end this uh, podcast on is just talking about those positive things that sewing brings. And man, we appreciate your company and what you do personally to help bring that positivity to to your customers. So, and thank you for, for being on a podcast today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, you as well. So for our listeners out there, Amanda's website, if you're interested in uh, learning more about her fabrics, if you 
want to check out her patterns, uh, participate in sew-alongs, and all the many things that that they have to offer. Uh, the website is so so s o s e w englishfabrics.com. So check them out, and you won't be disappointed. Thanks again, Amanda, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the road again sometime soon. Great talking to you. Hopefully, I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Amanda. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to Why Sew with Sulky. Give us a rating or a review and be sure to shop your favorite Sulky products, including threads, stabilizers, kits, and more at sulky.com.